You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. Well, the cricket is here today, so we've got a special guest, the cricket. You hear him? Anyways, um, took a couple days off. Really was not planned at all. A lot of people reaching out. I appreciate your concern. Everything is fine. Essentially, two days ago was, um, it was kind of a combination of things. You ever have it where you kind of start to feel like a rat in a wheel? You know, things get to be very repetitive, which is weird because, you know, a lot of things have been new and crazy and whatever, but you kind of just feel stuck. And for some reason, you just want to be able to say no. It's almost as if I just need to remind myself that I'm a grown man and I can do whatever I want. And so I was kind of competing between this whole, I haven't taken a day off, especially considering special guests, like I have not had a no podcast day in a long time, and just the feeling of, I don't feel like doing it today, and um, I really, really, really want to be able to just say to heck with it, I'm not doing it, just to say I don't have to. And so I did. Um, Matt Ramage is also very much to blame for this, because he was like, hey, do you want to jump on with me tonight? We'll do a live stream. And I was like, all right, that's going to be the final thing there. I'll do that instead of the podcast, and that'll kind of be my excuse. Well, I'm on ready to go. His power goes out. He's like, well, no live stream tonight. And so I was like, well, that sucks. (laughs) But whatever, I guess I'll just take the day off. And then I was like, well, I'll, I'll do my own live stream. So I did that. And then I see about five minutes later, he has Tom Grossi and uh, Tyler Herrick, I believe it was, on his stream. Like in five minutes, he had both of these guys on. And he's like, yeah, we're going live, we're doing it. And it's like, oh, cool, dude, thanks a lot. <laughs> Jerk. By the way, supposedly, I'm going to be on with him tonight, but I don't, I don't know if I'm going to make it. I'm kind of, I'm, I'm still in that weird mode of like, rebellion, like, like a little teenager rebellion kind of thing that I got going on where it's like, I can't do it because I got to go to bed because I don't want to be tired tomorrow. It's like, dude, just do it. Who cares? Let's just get crazy. Let's stay up till 930, go to bed, probably won't pass out till 1030. Four o'clock is five and a half hours. You'll survive. It's Friday. You know, you just go in tired, just declare to everybody I'm not feeling it. They're going to say they're not feeling it either. And it'll be, you'll be fine. You suck down a couple extra, you know, cups of coffee. But I also know that that's stupid and self-destructive, so we'll see how it goes. Anyways, it really doesn't feel like I took any time off. In the past, when I've taken days off, it's like, by the time I come back, it's like, woo, all right, it's been a long time. I feel like I haven't talked to you guys in years. I feel like I've done a podcast every day, so it's a weird feeling. But there's a lot going on. There's a lot of news, and there's also a lot going on with me as far as the football stuff is concerned. And so we need to talk about that. And... um, The plan, I guess, generally is to, I'm not going to recap prior training camps, so we'll just talk about today's, i.e. yesterday's, Thursday's training camp. Um, There were several press conferences and a little bit of news around the league and whatnot, so we'll kind of just touch on these things briefly. And then I want to sort of revisit the 53 a little bit with whatever time is remaining. That's sort of the general framework of today, but as you know, if you've been listening for a while, 
There's no rules to this podcast, and it's going to go where I steer it, and that'll be that. Also, um, I should probably check. I did ask and solicit a bunch of questions, and I was reaching out for the exact reason that um, I think I said it in the stream. Um, didn't say it on the podcast, but sometimes I just reach out because it's like, I don't know, man. I'm just I'm kind of burned out, and I'm spinning my tires, and I just need you guys to drop some questions, and you guys did that. So we'll have to peek in there and see what's going on. I haven't even checked. While we're on the topic, before we kind of launch into these things, I don't exactly know how on a time schedule I'm going to do this, but I'm going to lean very heavily, as heavily as I possibly can, into video content. I've been kind of hinting that and hinting that and hinting that. I'm not yet planning on that detracting from the podcast at all, but my plans change by the minute. As of right now, the podcast is still daily. It is what it is. But again, very heavily into video content, and I think my YouTube channel, which was supposed to stay NFL Draft slash NFL slash Packers, I think is just going to change officially, like name change to Packernet Podcast, and I'm just going to lean, again, very heavily into it. It's not to say I won't still have some draft videos, but it's from the Packernet Podcast. So follow me, please, because the more people that are tuned in, the more questions, the more interaction, the better, because that's all it is. Right now, live streams are the easiest thing for me to do because it doesn't require any time for editing. I just push go live, and you guys are there, and we hang out, we talk, and then I can just click stop and go to bed. So that's my favorite thing. I'm going to add to that a little bit here and there, some breaking news, whatever, but um, that's what I want that to be. So right now, it is called Pack Daddy NFL on YouTube. Go check that out. Otherwise, just go to the Packernet Podcast Facebook page, and I'll be streaming there as well. Those are the two places... Just make sure you set it up so that you get notifications because it's not. it might only be 30 minutes and you're just not on Facebook at the time. So you want to be able to see it, click it, and then be like, what up, man? So, yeah, so there's that. Other announcements, but we'll save those because we have not really technically even started yet. But anyways, um, I don't even know exactly where we left off, but I don't want to go back in time too much. There were have been several cutdowns. Um, the most recent of which I do want to discuss, and that is Devin Funches. Um, I, I think that puts us at 52, but I, I guess I don't, or not not 52, uh, 79, right? Because we dropped down to 80, so it's it's one less than whatever the requirement was, I believe. But we also brought somebody in, so it doesn't matter. So Devin Funches kind of shakes things up a little bit, and it also makes things a little bit a little bit easier because prior with the 53-man roster, for me, anyways, it was never a question of will Funches make the team because I always thought he would. Maybe you're not in that same camp, but for me, he was always in it. The only question is, is there going to be seven? Well, now I'm very, very confident that there's only going to be six now that Funches is out because there's no reason to add in a seventh. We're just going to pick which of those guys. And we actually did get confirmation of that from Matt LaFleur. I hate to skip ahead, but in his press conference, that's one of the things he flat out said is that there's going to be a very, essentially, without looking at the quote at the moment, a very intense competition for that sixth wide receiver spot. Now, technically, that doesn't mean there isn't going to be a seventh. That maybe is something they have to determine. Um, but it, it definitely sounds as though there are five locks, which presumably are Devontae, MVS, Lazard, Cobb, and Amari. Funches is no longer in that sixth spot, and so we have to add in that guy. And I, and I don't know that it's as straightforward. Um, I don't want to... Do I want to do this right now? Because we're already talking about it. <sighs> this is kind of what I wanted to do in the second half, but I guess we can do questions second half. Uh, see, I told you, there's there's no rules, man. You just do what you got to... You never know how it's going to flow. You got to go with the flow. Go with the flow. I just like to go with the flow. We are in the flow of it. So now that we're deep in the flow, we're going to go with the flow. 
So the competition really is coming down to Malik Taylor, Reggie Begleton, and Juwan Winfrey. Technically, Damon Hazelton is in the mix. He's still there, um, I believe. Somebody got released, and I kind of feel like it was Hazelton, but then I remember there was a guy that caught a pass, and I was like, I thought they caught him, and I was like, oh, that was somebody else. Anyways, doesn't matter, because at the end of the day, well, I should throw Aquinemius in there, I guess, kind of. And there's, there's some validity to it, but... So those four guys, I do think Equinemius is on the outside looking in. Here are, this is sort of where I'm at. The, the biggest, the number one guy that I think gets that spot is Malik Taylor. However, the one interesting note from camp just yesterday is this little note from training camp. Punt returners today have been Cobb, they're never going to use him as a punt returner, Amari, who's been terrible as a punt returner, and Reggie Begleton. Now, I know I already said I wasn't a big fan of Begleton and how he returned and all that stuff, but just based on those things, if these are the guys we're saying, um, and maybe we're just trying some stuff out, I don't really know. But again, I really don't think Cobb is going to be the guy. Amari has not proven to be the guy. Begleton is very valuable if, if he's just a returner. Obviously, he would be considered a wide receiver still and would be expected to go on the field and all those things. But the question then is, if, if he has proven himself as a special teamer, have the other guys are the other guys so much better above and beyond what Begleton is that we're going to get rid of this special teamer and use somebody else? The other somewhat important thing to look at is, and, and this is somewhat deceptive, and so I'm, I'm going to talk about it and then immediately get off it and explain why, but snap counts in the preseason. Nobody at wide receiver has had more snaps than Malik Taylor. In fact, the guys with the most opportunities in this preseason have been number one, Ben Braden with 101 snaps, Yash Nijman with 100 snaps, Kurt Bankert with 85, and Malik Taylor with 80. Now, the reason I'm going to get off it quickly is because the most snaps doesn't necessarily mean the best players. Sometimes it's about evaluation. Ben Braden is a good example of that. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, another example of that would be the fact that Patrick Taylor is technically ahead by one snap of Kylan Hill. However, the actually more important note is the fact that Kylan Hill has been the number one running back in the absence of our actual starters. But it is still worth noting that Malik Taylor has been given a lot of opportunities, and if we run through these snap counts, Amari Rogers 75, Reggie Begleton 72, uh, Malik Taylor 80, that's kind of a bunch at the top. Very high snap counts. They are third, fourth, and fifth in snaps so far in the preseason. You have to go all the way down to 17th out of 29 to see Devin Funches at 34, who was just placed on IR. You got to go down to 22nd to get to Hazleton at wide receiver. You have to go to 26th to get to Chris Blair. That's the one that was released, I believe. Um, and then DeAndre Tompkins at uh, 27th. So, And again, there is something to the snap counts because the guys at the bottom are the ones that tend to get released. So when I'm looking at this, I'm kind of seeing a two-way race between Malik Taylor and Reggie Begleton. And the fact that Equinemius St. Brown's name is not even on this list of somebody, somebody having an entire uh, one snap, um, it means something. It absolutely means something. Even if Equinemius is, is uh, making strides in training camp and doing some good things, his name isn't on the list. And it absolutely matters. And so, again, I, those are the, kind of the two guys. And again, you can make the argument, and maybe they will, because obviously it hasn't been refined all the way down. Maybe they will at some point decide, let's just keep both of them. Let's just do seven. But I am leaning Malik Taylor, taking the spot that I had previously given to Devin Funches. That's where I'm at right now. If you have Reggie Begleton, um, I don't hate it. But I will say, if you think it's because he's the better wide receiver than Malik Taylor, you're just incorrect. 
Malik Taylor has been by far the better player. In fact, if we sort by offensive grading, um, Malik Taylor is the sixth highest graded offensive player. Um, where is, we got to scroll down here. Amari is 15th. Reggie Begleton is 16th with a 59.6 overall grade compared to Malik Taylor, 77. Again, for me with Begleton, it's the special teams. It's averaging 17.5 yards on punt returns. The issue that Begleton might have is that Malik Taylor is also not a terrible special team, or at least this year. He's got a 66.1 overall grade, which is comparable to Begleton's. He just doesn't have, I shouldn't say he doesn't have receiving ability. He just hasn't done it this year. So they're not, it's not really on their radar as of right now. So anyways, that's that's my thought process. Funches was put on IR. Kind of a weird situation there. I don't want to speculate too much, but I did see on social media that he essentially alluded to the effect that he had he was surprised when they put him on special teams. He was not expecting to be uh, put out for the year. I have some theories as to what might be going on behind the scenes, but I will basically keep that to myself because it's just conspiracy theory stuff that I'll just, you know, it is what it is. It's not that interesting, but it was just something that I was pondering before. Like, I wonder if they would put Funchess on IR, and then they did, and I'm like, hmm. I wonder. <laughs> Anyways, I'm going to jump off that. I was kind of kind of wanting to go through and look at certain things like that, like snap counts, and try to read into it a little bit, but I'm going to backtrack. That was my Funches note, and I want to go through some of these notes here. Um, first of all, general notes, Josh Allen apparently will start for the Bills preseason finale, which is kind of shocking. Generally, week three was the, the preseason week where most of the starters started. My assumption was going to be that I mean, the, the thought process behind that was they need some work and we want to give them work, but we definitely don't want it to be the last week of the preseason because that's when these guys really need to be rested and focusing on the week coming up. Um, this week, this year, and presumably from now on, week three is the final week. So I thought this would be the big everybody sits out week. So it's surprising to me that Buffalo is putting Josh Allen out there, even if they decided that he needs to play like a lot of these other teams have put their starting quarterbacks and starting players out there. Week three, I figured, would be the week that nobody's going to start their starters. Um, it is, as has been pointed out, going to be a really good um, look for our, for our defense. It's going to be unfortunate because he's probably going to shred our defense because, again, the Packers wisely have decided that they're not interested in bravado and showing off. We're trying to evaluate our guys, so we're going to put our guys out there that need to be evaluated uh, and and to see you know who stays and who goes and, and all that kind of stuff. And other teams have decided that they're going to use this time to annihilate backups. And, and so, uh, you know, to each their own. And so it, it's not going to be fun to watch, and hopefully our defense can do some good stuff. And I'm sure they'll have a... Well, why would you put any back? If, if Josh Allen's playing... The starting offensive line has to play, and I would probably make sure everybody else is out there. Who who is who is too important, right? Stephon Diggs, maybe, but I mean, I would agree, but I would also say Josh Allen shouldn't play. But anyways, our second string defense is going to have a heck of a job um, trying to go up against the Bills starters. Uh, other newts and newts, a couple of newts for you. Is that it's not even Canadian, is it? I don't know what that would be. Take off. But uh, out of 49ers camp, apparently things have rapidly devolved for Trey Lance. Um, I don't know if they've given official word yet. I haven't seen that. I haven't been really tuned into other teams' news the last two days or so. I did see Shanahan say he had a pretty good idea who the quarterback was going to be, and I guarantee it's going to be Garoppolo. 
But basically, things have gone real south for Trey Lance, and he will not probably be starting. Man, I cannot stop sneezing. Oh, I'm good. It's been the worst year for allergies ever, ever in my life. One time, like a month ago or two months ago, I saw grass pollen was real high because I was sneezing like crazy and nobody else was. And I have a, a grass allergy, apparently. Super random, but I do. And so I don't know if this whole year has just been like, hey, grass is freaking out or what, but it's been miserable. I'm like dying for winter to get here so I can stop sneezing. I've had like sneezing, you know, you have sneezing fits where it's like 20 in a row, like literally 20 in a row. I've had that happen like 50 times in the last couple months. Can't even joke that it's COVID because it's been like months. Like that's not, that's not how that works. Also sneezing, I don't think is associated with it, but sometimes you just got to yell it. I don't know. Especially when you're out in public. Sneeze COVID. (laughs) Sorry, I have a sense of humor. Anyways, Justin Fields will start uh, the preseason game against the Tennessee Titans, according to Bears coach Matt Nagy. Fields is expected to play about two quarters versus the Titans. I'm actually kind of, kind of glad about this because, and again, I'm not, I'm not making a declaration about Fields because that would be stupid, and I'm way too protective about trying not to say stuff too definitively that I don't know the answer to that's going to come back and bite me. But I will say this. As I've been saying, he's done nothing so far that's been very impressive. And he's mostly been coming out against second-team type guys, and there's less pressure, right? Because that's that's the Bears fans retort, which is fair, that while well, he's also playing with second-team guys, so he has a second-team offensive line, second-team wide receiver, tight end, running back. So it balances out, except it doesn't. I don't know why it doesn't, but it doesn't. Obviously, the Bears back, they must have higher quality backups than the other team does because once that second team comes out, we saw that week one with him. Their starters, were, which by the way, does not bode well at all for the regular season because when their starters are going up against other team starters, they're getting annihilated. These quarterbacks cannot operate. And I don't necessarily think, I don't even think it's Dalton or Fields' fault necessarily. But the pressure is out of control. Their guys are not getting open. Nothing's working. And he just doesn't look very good. So you put him out there against the starters when presumably there's going to be more pressure and less open receivers. I don't know that it's going to go well. We'll see. I don't know who's starting and who's not for the Tennessee Titans. Maybe it's just going to be one of these things where the Bears are going to get going. And again, and I talked about this on the last or two podcasts ago or whatever it was with that whole Chicago Bears segment. If they were smart... You load up this team, all of the available starters, at least for a quarter. And our goal is to trounce the Tennessee Titans and just pray that their starters aren't out there because it's not about reality. It's not about any of that. It's about optics. It's about Justin Fields shredding a football team just up and down the field, scoring touchdowns, great statistics, the whole thing, getting the media and the fans whipped up. That's all it's about. And that is what they should do. Now, I'm going to be here to roll my eyes and be like, you bunch of idiots. Oh, my goodness. It was it was all your starters against her. But it, it doesn't matter. That's still the right thing for them to do. Because, again, Bears fans and the media will eat it up, even though it's kind of silly. But what I'm, what I am saying, though, is they could be headed for disaster. It could be a great thing if it works out. It could be a disaster, especially if he's dumb enough to not put any other real starters out there. Because if he goes out there with the starting offense, which is what the fans want, it's what the media wants, and everybody's been hyping him up, and he goes out there, and he's looking like garbage. Even if it's not his fault, because it works the other way too. Sometimes it's not his fault. He's got nowhere to go. He's got nowhere to throw. He's got no run game. He's got no protection. It's not his fault. It doesn't matter. It's going to be bad for the team. The fans are going to be furious. They're going to be booing. The media is going to be backing away, pretending, you know, deleting all their stuff about Justin Fields being this great player and all that. They're going to be backing up. 
They're going to pretend it never happened, and Justin Fields' confidence is going to be squashed, and he's going to watch as his locker room goes back into the locker room going, here we go again, same old stupid freaking Bears, garbage team, I can't wait to get out of here, I'm only here for the paycheck. Please get me out, now I know why Akeem Hicks wants out, now I know why uh, our star wide receiver wants out, now I know why... uh, All the cornerbacks that went over to uh, Denver started doing backflips when they got the phone call they were getting traded. Now I understand. You don't want that to happen. So going to be an interesting game um, for a lot of reasons. And it honestly could go either way. Again, I'm not predicting anything. I'm I'm just saying that it has massive implications for their team how this pans out. So it's a big high-risk, high-reward proposition putting them out there first, and they need him to do very, very well. Anyways, why don't we quickly get over to team notes from training camp, and then I think we'll take a break, do some press conference, do some questions, get the heck out of here. Um, Camp today was an hour and 56 minutes. That's been pretty standard. They've been doing about just under two hours for a while now. Um, GM of the Bucks apparently was in town, kind of rubbing shoulders. Hopefully something kind of rubs off on the Packers a little bit. Holding out hope for the Brewers and the Packers. It seems unlikely, but it also seems like they're dominant and um, I'm getting tired of, hey, man, these teams are really good, except they can't close. That's getting old, so we're hoping the Bucks broke the curse on that one and uh, shimmied over to Lambeau Field and gave us some of the magic dust. David Bakhtiari and Dennis Kelly working off to the sides. Both look good. There is a note, however, that it does not seem as though David Bakhtiari will be ready week one, which I don't think was the expectation, aside from some um, some people kind of giving some, some, some false hope, maybe. Uh, quarterback Jordan Love, shoulder injury, continues to practice as the Packers prepare for Buffalo on Saturday. People that are absent with injury, Equinemius St. Brown, Vernon Scott, Zedarius Smith, Dennis Kelly, Juwan Winfrey, and Tyler Lancaster. couple quarterback notes, just so you know, just right out of the gate, if I could summarize this whole day, the quarterbacks were just playing stupid good. Like I, I don't remember having a training camp where the quarterbacks just came out this red hot. I don't know what was going on, but... Just looking crazy good, especially Aaron Rodgers, though. Um, note for the day, all four quarterbacks are practicing again. Good sign for Love to play Saturday at Buffalo. Jordan Love throwing passes during team period for second consecutive practice. Bose Wells for him starting. Things you love to see. Jordan Love rolling right, has Sternberger wide open in the flat, but goes through his progressions and finds Amari for a bigger gain. Nice play by 10. And it really is, and especially in this system where they... I don't remember the exact term, but they sort of layer the routes. So you'll have three guys essentially running the same route, but at different depths, because you're kind of just attacking a zone a certain... I can't put things eloquently, but you know what I mean. When they're, especially when they're playing zone, you can't... If you divide the field in half, and you assume half the team is up close to the line of scrimmage, and then the other guys are splitting the field in half, we've got too many guys. And so at one of these levels, presumably somebody's open. So it's nice to be able to take the easy 10, but while you're here, why don't you drop your eyes or, or lift your eyes or whatever and look down the field, see if that next guy's open and take the biggest one that's available. And that's just sort of general mental processing type stuff that it's, it's as, as I think that was Andy Herman said, good to see. Absolute wow throw by 12. That was unreal. Chandon had great coverage on a crosser to Devontae. The ball fell out of the sky into the hands of Adams. No words. I tweet can do it justice. Just unreal. Rodgers is on one. Gorgeous back shoulder deep down the field to MVS, who adjusts, holds on, and makes a great contested catch uh, against Sullivan. Ch- uh, Chandon has been wondering. There was a p- period there. I was confused. I'm like, who, who is Sullivan Chandon? Chandon has to be wondering what the heck is going on. Solid coverage on back-to-back deep completions. 
Even with music blaring, Jordan Love gets Delonte Scott to jump off sides with his hard count. Love then takes the deep shot left, but wide receiver on that side cuts off his route. Christian Uphoff makes a sliding interception uh, that wouldn't count because of a five-yard penalty. So basically, Jordan Love got a guy to jump off sides. He got the penalty, so he decides to take the, the free play, launches it down the field, and he and the wide receiver are not on the same page. He throws it where the receiver is supposed to be, at least in his mind. The receiver went somewhere else, and it got intercepted. Another nice progression play by Love looks for the shot play off shot play off play action. It's not there. He adjusts his feet, finds the next read, a check down to wide open Kylan Hill. Love finds Malik Taylor deep on a corner route. Really nice ball by Love and a big gain. Love's having a very nice day. Bankert to Hazleton, straight red zone money. Bankert misses Malik on a back shoulder. Those are the only Bankert notes I had. There were there were it doesn't sound as impressive, but you got to understand there were a lot of notes that I skipped just because it's kind of repetitive. And there's also going to be some of these notes are going to be in the wide receiver tight end notes, but it was just nonstop about the quarterbacks and how good they look. Speaking of, let's look at wide receivers. Malik Taylor getting first team reps. There's a little note for you. Rogers MVS 50 plus yards across his body. Money. 12 still pretty good at the sport of football. Pretty whatever. Nice uh, couple plays for Amari Rodgers and team. First, Love rolls out and finds Amari for a first down. Then Aaron, again, rolls right and finds Amari downfield for a big gain. Love to Hazleton on a crosser. Ento was a step late, and Hazleton picks up a big gain. MVS building off his big day on Tuesday. Spun Kevin King around on an eventual slant and beat Chandon Sullivan on a 50-50 ball on the deep sideline. Quarterback Aaron Rodgers said MVS is in a way different headspace this year, quote, and there'll be a lot more of this in the press conferences, but this is just a little note about him specifically. He's a way different person. He has become a true professional, Rodgers said. By the way, if there was any anybody that got more hype than Rodgers or Love, um, it was MVS. MVS was just playing out of his mind um, Thursday. Tight end notes. Love floats to a wide open Deguara in the flat. Nice again. Offense picking apart the defense on the ground and through the air today. Uh, Robert Tunyon catches everything. Aaron Rodgers loops pass to his tight end over Chris Barnes in the back of the end zone, and Tunyon casually stabs it with right hand and stays in bounds for touchdown catch. Not sure Tunyon doesn't have the best hands on this team. Makes everything look easy. So if you didn't really catch what they were saying because it was written in robotic language, it was basically a one-handed toe-tap catch at the corner of the end zone for Tunyon. Offensive line notes, it sure seems like David Bakhtiari isn't going to be ready for the start of the season. There'd only be one starting spot at guard if Bakhtiari was going to be there week one. Lucas Patrick at left guard, Royce Newman at right guard to start team. The full offensive line, Jenkins, Patrick, Myers, Newman, and Turner from left to right. Aaron Rodgers just chewed someone out, and it sure seemed to be rookie center Josh Myers after he didn't snap the ball when he was supposed to. Rodgers called timeout, and as Bill Huber said, it was a frustrated timeout call. Rodgers scheduled to be at the podium after practice. He does address that. He was apparently very, very furious at um, Mr. Myers for messing that up. Finally, Yash uh, Nyman getting some work at right tackle with the ones. Don't think we've seen that yet this preseason. So he's played well, and they're going to give him a shot. One general defensive note here, Packers defense keeps the offense out of the end zone in two-minute drill. Offense was down seven from its 20, a minute 25 left. Drive ended with a failed Hail Mary from Aaron Rodgers from the 37-yard line. Hey, it's practice for everybody, even the MVP. Defensive tackle notes, Dean Lowry has had a nice cat camp, bats down Rodgers' pass at the line of scrimmage. He's done that a lot this summer. Kenny Clark all over a screen pass to A.J. Dillon, gets read by Kenny. Kiki had a sack, is becoming an every-practice thing. 
couple edge notes. Rashawn Gary just broke through the Packers offensive line and would have had a sack on Aaron Rodgers. He looked really good in camp. They're going to need to continue that next month with Zadarius Smith back from injury, still keeping him off the field. So Zadarius has been injured and away from camp for a while, but he was getting that every single day. He finally gets back from, from his injury, nursing his injury, whatever, and immediately has a quote-unquote sack on uh, Aaron Rodgers, I believe. Rashawn Gary, two quote-unquote sacks of Aaron Rodgers in the last couple plays, missed who he beat from the first time, looked like Billy Turner on the second. So immediately after that sack, he gets another one. So Rashawn Gary, and he's been doing this since he was a rookie, by the way. This is not really new news. And again, so when he was drafted, he he was drafted the same year Zadarius came in, and both of those guys terrorized our offensive line, including David Bakhtiari. So it was all automatically like, what the heck is going on? And we saw immediately what the heck was going on with Zadarius, but again, we still have not seen that from Rashawn because of the opportunities. Now, granted, his rookie year, I don't think even as a percentage he was quite that good, so it was a little fluky, I guess. But he's always just dominated our offensive line. He's always been better. And, And again, I stand by... If he has the opportunities, he's going to get the numbers. Finally, really good push by Preston versus Elton. Been a good battle all summer. Smith and Gary probably would have been in position for a sack, but Rodgers hits Rodgers on a deep crosser. A couple cornerback notes. Uh, Yadam gets first-team reps. Kevin King all over a quick throw to Devontae on the outside. King has taken the reps from the one so far. Don't think I've seen Stokes. We'll have notes on that in a second. Chandon, again, perfect coverage on a completion. He's having the the best bad day ever, or worst good day, whatever that means. Chandon Sullivan with an impressive play, beating Devontae Adams. Block, block and getting in position to tackle Aaron Jones on a slip screen to the left. A tough combo there. Only concern from practice today is it sounds like Stokes pulled up at one point and didn't practice after that. It'll be worth monitoring. Final note, Eric Stokes went inside with head trainer Brian Engel about an hour ago. He's back out here now, but doesn't seem to be participating in team period or two-minute. Ento and Yadam, the cornerbacks with second-team defense. Yes, I keep changing how I say everybody's name. It's just how I feel it in the moment. Leave me alone. Only note on uh, safety was Uphoff picks off Love. We kind of already talked about that. And then we also talked about the one special teams note. Punt returners today have been Cobb, Amari, and Begleton. Anyways, quickly before we take a break, please remember that we're going to be giving away a lot of stuff. So go over to pristineauction.com, register, and use promo code PACKERNET. You're going to get a free $10. Who doesn't want a free $10? That alone is, is reason enough to do it, but they also have a ton of really good deals. It's an auction on a lot of really cool stuff. It's not just Packer stuff, but they got some cool stuff. We have partnered with them, and um, I'm getting no money, but what I am getting in return is they have offered to give you stuff. So it's a different kind of uh, an arrangement, but it's kind of cool. You sign up on their site, and um, in this case, it's uh, follow us on Instagram, tag three friends, et cetera, et cetera. But that's going to change as the weeks go on. But by the way, today, Friday, is your last day if you have not done it. If you don't know what to do, reach out to me and I'll help you. PristineAuction.com, register, use promo code Packernet. Go follow Packernet Podcast on Instagram, tag three Packers in that post that tells you what to do. The idea there being more people see it, more people tag more people, et cetera, et cetera. Right? It's supposed to be viral. It's not working, but that's how that's theoretically supposed to work. Should have made it 90 friends because <laughs> maybe it'll catch on a little bit. But um, it's going to be announced tomorrow on Saturday for the podcast, which means I'm going to be recording it Friday night, which means I told Jacob that I need a name by Friday afternoon. So you got basically until Friday at today at noon. So best of luck. But if you don't get in, we've got 
four more giveaways. And depending on how many people sign up and how this partnership is going, they're not only going to continue giving stuff away, awesome stuff like signed Bakhtiari jerseys, signed Zadarius jerseys, uh, Lombardi trophy with Jordy Nelson's jer- uh, signature, a Deguara signed jersey, all that cool stuff. They're going to actually ramp it up, like even better stuff, depending on the interaction that they get from us. Anyways, um, again, never really know where I left off, but let's say thank you very, very much to David Harder, Austin, Charles Akers, Kevin Perthel, uh, Ethan W., and David Hawthorne. Man, a lot of people signed up recently. Thank you guys all very, very much. We've got, geez, since the 23rd, so three days for me, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine people have signed up. Any of these say deleted? No. One of them has just increased their pledge, but that it does the exact same thing. So thank you all very, very much. Um, let's see if that kind of puts us closer to being on track. So we were at 254, so we need 46 more people to say, all right, I'm going to give that dude a buck a month. And I again, I will be buying you a Green Bay Packers ticket to go sit in the seat and watch the Green Bay Packers play. Also, don't forget about the Palmer home. I feel like I'm getting kind of left in the dust here. Uh, where are we at? Now, still holding strong at about 120 behind fifth place, so we'll be all right there. But the guy in fourth place is is $500 ahead of me, so it's <laughs> it's it's a race for fifth place. But anyways, let's take a break, and we'll come back and talk about some stuff. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. So I think I'm going to skip a lot of the press conferences from prior days because it's kind of, as I said, old news. But we will start with Matt LaFleur. He did talk about these things prior to training camp. So the order went LaFleur first, then training camp, and then it was Rodgers and Aaron Jones. And if anybody else went out there, I didn't see it or hear about it. But a couple notes from Matt LaFleur. Number one, Packers coach Matt LaFleur said Jordan Love made it through the last practice with no pain in his throwing shoulder. When asked if he would play Saturday at Buffalo, he said, quote, we'll let it go through the week and we'll see. So how's that for a non-answer? Uh, he did say Kurt Bankert will definitely play in Buffalo, even if Jordan Love plays. Uh, if Love can go, LaFleur says he'll play the first half, maybe into the third quarter, then it'll be Bankert's time. LaFleur says it'll be a fight right down to the finish for the Packers' sixth wide receiver spot. Again, technically doesn't have to mean they're only going to go six, but it sure as heck sounds like it. I mean, technically, I'm in a fight for fifth place in that uh, Palmer home thing. That doesn't mean there's not going to be a sixth place. It just means it's a fight. There's also technically a fight for third place but there's, you know, going to be a fifth. But um, it says down to the finish. You know, it just, it, it sounds like they're saying they're planning on six. Matt LaFleur on what he's seen from the Packers offensive line. I think there's been moments of really good play up front, and there's been moments of inconsistency. Kind of a nothing sentence, but also kind of completely accurate. 
Matt LaFleur says he's now looking at three candidates to fill the two guard spots. This is the note I said we'd get back to about Braden. Quote, whatever the combination may be of Royce Newman, Lucas Patrick, and John Runyon, unquote, does not name Braden, who has been uh, who has been getting a crack at first-team reps earlier in camp. So they had four. They now apparently have whittled it down to three, and Ben Braden is out of the loop. And presumably, I have to assume that means he will not make the 53, which you could say, well, that doesn't mean that. It just we're looking at starters. Kind of, but we've also got backups built in here. Let's say Runyon and Patrick win. Right. Let's just say they go with the veterans. Like we just want these guys to be the guy. Okay. So then Royce Newman is going to be a backup, right? And then we already have the guys that we already have. I don't. I don't know. It's not looking great for Braden. Which, to my credit, I didn't have Braden on here to begin with. I had uh, uh, Jenkins, Royce, Runyon, um, and then Patrick as sort of a backup swing guard slash center. A few notes that we got yesterday from Aaron Rodgers. Quite a few actually. Several on MVS to start. He says, Aaron Rodgers says, while some of the guys are getting ready for the preseason finale at Buffalo, he's going to get ready for New Orleans. Deep touchdown to MVS today was part of working on a concept as they prep for the regular season, which is kind of interesting. Um, I guess that they would say that. I don't know. I just feel like you'd be more secretive about it. Not that they're necessarily going to see that play, but I do love that um, they're working on things to attack you know, their upcoming regular season opponents, and it has to do with MVS because all the things that we've heard about it, Plus, I mean, we just, we don't really have, not that we can't have, we don't have deep shots occasionally, right? MVS gets a couple. Um, you even see Lazard and Tunyon and obviously Devontae get a few. But as far as having a legit deep threat, and we've got a couple people I've seen recently who are trying to pretend that MVS has always just been this great deep threat weapon. He hasn't. He's a guy that maybe gets one of those a, a game. He's not a consistent, constant, all throughout the game, every game deep threat. Anyways, he goes on to say, Roger says MVS has become a true professional. At times in the past, he was too inconsistent in practice. That's not the Marquez that I know now, says he's a leader now in the wide receiver room. So even a lot of these notes from Aaron Rodgers, granted, he maybe is saying that last year he was this guy too, but he's clearly saying that he hasn't always exactly been the greatest. And, and remember when we had, it was MVS and Equinemius, and who was the other guy that, that we had? Oh, uh, uh, what is his name? Jamar, just completely blank. It doesn't matter. Those three guys came in, and Aaron Rodgers basically hated all of them. <laughs> he just flat out, like, hated them. I remember he was just trashing them. He was talking about their work ethic and just not being very smart. Remember the, the carded practice thing? They basically had a carded practice session, which is where you get a card that tells you in your own language the exact route you're running. So it's not even a matter of we're going to call plays and make adjustments and all these things. It's not about, it's not even a play that you have to decipher what your role in that play is. It's, there's a card and it says run this route and you just have to run that route. And they didn't do it. And Aaron Rodgers, after having a furious training camp practice, which again, as for perspective, it's not the case that every training camp, it's like, Arrow, dude, everybody's great. Everything's great. No, we've had training camps where it's like, this is not good. And Aaron Rodgers just in an absolute rage out on the training camp field. And then he goes to the podium and they're like, what's going on, Rodgers? You don't seem too happy. And he blasted them. Like, I don't know how you have a card. He literally said this. He said, you you have a card that says in our language what you're supposed to be doing and you still can't do it. And he was talking about those three wide receivers and how basically, essentially how dumb they were. And I remember, I think it was later, maybe it was the same interview or it was later where it was like, do you feel like you're being a little bit harsh on these guys? 
And he's like, look, dude, I'm at a point in my career where I just don't care anymore. You're either going to be up to par. You're either going to be ready to rock and roll. You're going to be ready to be on my level, or I just don't want to deal with you and I'm not going to put up with you. And he just, he didn't, I mean, even later on down the line, I mean, when he was talking about, uh, you know, don't listen to the wide receiver coach, listen to what I tell you and throw an MVS under the bus for running the wrong route. And I mean, it was, it was hostile and contentious to the point where it was like, dude, Rogers just hates MVS. Like he, he just hates this guy. It was kind of weird, but um, MVS has, has obviously become a much better wide receiver in terms of his understanding. He's obviously changed the way he approaches the game, which Rodgers has noticed. And now it's gotten to the point where it seems like Rodgers really, really, really likes the guy and wants to feed him constantly and is really excited about his potential and is, is, is working on concepts specifically to use MVS as a way to attack. Aaron Rodgers isn't going to do that if he doesn't trust him or like him. And I know this has changed over the years. It's not like this is the first year and he hated him last year. I'm just saying um, it definitely feels different. And this is coming from the guy that's been saying, MVS ain't going to break out of nothing. Just stop even saying that that's going to happen because it isn't going to happen. I'm just saying, I don't know what's going to happen. Maybe he's not going to be very good. Maybe this is all for nothing. But I've never heard anybody talk about MVS this way, and I've never seen him do this well in training camp. So something's different. Whether it carries on, I don't know. Continuing on, Rogers raving about, M- raving about MVS's personal growth. He's a way different person. He is very present, very professional. Aaron Rodgers glowing on MVS, the person, which translates to the wide receiver. Quote, the person is in a way different heads. Some of this is kind of overlapping, but people s- put different parts of the quotes in, so I just put it all in. Um, I think he is so settled mentally, very clear, very present. He says there were times in the past he didn't know if he could count on MVS, but he has zero doubts now. Again, probably the same quote, but a little bit different. Aaron Rodgers told he looks, quote, pretty sharp in camp. He flashes a big smile. Pretty sharp. I think it's been a good camp. Yeah, Rodgers has been dealing um, has been dealing this month. Balanced on time, quote, I think I've been accurate. A lot of that is due to my legs. The only reason, I wasn't even going to put that in because I thought it was a cheesy kind of note or whatever, but... Something about that last sentence, it's a lot due to my legs, reminded me of what he said about why he's having this sort of resurgence. And it was about, he realized like with his legs and certain planting and whatever it was, and he started dedicating time to strengthening his legs so that he can do certain things again. And we saw the MVP performance. Now, I'm not saying it was all about that, but something just flashed into my head that made me think, we got to keep this guy, (laughs) you know? I mean, look, if, if I hope love is great and we can keep him for 10 years and everything's great and all that, but... Dude, I don't, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm just, we'll see how it goes this year. And maybe it's too late and Rodgers just wants out of here and he's just tired of everybody and he says this place sucks and there's no fixing it and the salary cap is never going to work and everything's ruined. I don't know. But if things go really well this year, I just feel like who's to say we can't do another two, three, four? I mean, if he's keeping his, I mean, he's doing the Tom Brady thing. I'm not saying he's Tom Brady. Maybe he can't physically do it. I mean, it's kind of otherworldly what Tom Brady's able to do. But if there's anybody else that's similar to Tom Brady, and I know I've, I've questioned Aaron Rodgers' work ethic as far as, um, you know, specifically going out and doing training as opposed to hanging out with the Dalai Lama and whatnot. But he takes, obviously, his taking care of his body and his mental state very seriously. And when you get into your uh, late 30s, early 40s, that becomes a major part of what you're doing, just not deteriorating too much, right? You're probably not going to be peak physical condition, but especially at quarterback where a lot of it is, you know, as long as you can maintain your your level of arm strength and keep the legs somewhat mobile and active and strong, 
um, you got a good shot, right? As long as you're still there mentally, which of course that shouldn't be deteriorating. I'm just saying, we'll see how it goes this year. But if he does it again and he's like, yeah, dude, that's just, I, I, this system is a great system and we got some great guys and the whole thing with keeping my legs strong and keeping my body healthy, I feel like I can go another five years. It's like, dude, figure it out. I don't know what you got to do, but figure it out. <laughs> Cause I'm, I'm starting to, uh, starting to believe, but we'll see how it goes. That's one step at a time. Rogers said practice reps are more important for quarterback Jordan Love and missing the two Jets practices probably hurt him the most because coach Robert Sala threw a lot of things against the offense. In games, it's very vanilla, he said. It's interesting note, and again, wouldn't have put it ordinarily, but the one thing that's interesting is not only did he not criticize the joint practice, he went so far as to say it was probably the most beneficial practice that they've had. I mean, clearly. I mean, he's saying it's more beneficial than the actual preseason game because of all the cool stuff that was thrown. And yeah, it does suck that Jordan Love missed it. And even if he does play, it's going to be a bunch of vanilla nonsense. Aaron Rodgers' assessment of Jordan Love, he says, when he throws the ball on time, he's very accurate quarterback. He says, the key for Love is to find the timing, have less clutter in his in his progressions, same for any quarterback. And that, that kind of makes sense. I mean, there's so much of this, especially in a Matt LaFleur system, but just in, in football and the NFL in general, just rhythm and timing, right? The the specific kind of drop in footwork is so important because it's all tied to timing. Every single route and concept is tied tied to where you are in your drop, right? You get to your drop and then you you got a hitch in your step and you're looking this way and then you kind of look that you know it's, everything is meticulously timed perfectly. And then for him, it's also a matter of you know while you're doing all this stuff, you have to do the read understand what you're looking at, understand, am I going to make the throw? And if not, go this way. But but it's also when to pull the trigger, if to pull the trigger. Like what uh, I think it was, again, Herman said, he saw the guy and he was open. Are you going to pull the trigger or are you going to look further downfield? And and in this case, it was a good decision because somebody was open. But there, there were times in the past, I mean, just two years ago, the biggest critique I had of Aaron Rodgers is just pull the freaking trigger. You got a guy open in the flat, but that's not good enough. And you want to stop and you want to reassess and try to find somebody deeper and they're not there. And you gave up a seven yard dump off pass because you wanted a 40 yard reception that wasn't there. And now you throw the ball away. So it's, it's such a balancing act. And yeah, he's got to sort through all that. Aaron Rodgers says he was gentle on the Packers rookie Josh Myers earlier in camp. That's changing now. He says, quote, we need him to play more like a veteran and not like a rookie. Rodgers got frustrated with Myers today because he made an adjustment and the rookie did not change the cadence. Uh, the, there's a second note on that, so I'll read this one as well. It says, I made an adjustment and he decided not to change the cadence by himself. Just the tone of the way he's saying that is like, oh, dude, I just, you're just, he's so mad. He, he got over it. But anyways, he goes on to say just about everybody else probably moved, but he was kind of doing his own thing. Uh, that'll be his one time making that mistake. You need plays like that. I'm not mad about that. So, I mean, he's he's kind of a master of. Uh, I mean, that's I don't that's that'll send chills. Not just every the way that he said that whole thing was like, jeez. I made it adjust, an adjustment. He decided not to change the cadence by himself. Then he says everybody else moved, but he was doing his own thing. And then he basically says, I'm not mad, which is not true because he completely reamed him out. But the reason he's not mad is because everybody gets one, which sounds like he's forgiven him. But what he's really saying to Josh Myers is, if you ever do that again, I'm going to eviscerate you. Like, you're not going to sleep for a week because of what I'm going to put you through mentally and emotionally. Don't you ever, ever, ever make that mistake again. And in a sense, it's, it's uh, you know... It, 
memory is is built through these neural pathways getting burned through and I don't really know scientifically more than that but it's it's trying to burn these pathways and once you have a path built that's that's what a memory is so maybe Rogers approach is I'm going to scorch you so hard that it's just just one time it's going to be burned in real good and you'll never forget again we'll see how it pans out um, he had a note on Adams, MVS, Lazard, and Cobb. He says, when you look at those four receivers that we have at the top of the depth chart, pretty special. You got the best guy in the league. You got three incredible role players, and that's said, uh, that's said with utmost amount of respect. Uh, Aaron Jones went to the podium. Didn't see a ton of notes, but I got a couple here. Packers running back Aaron Jones says he'll be going into the season healthy after battling a hamstring injury early in camp. He has been taking part in all areas of practice this week. Went on to say Aaron Jones said where he has received the most, where he has advanced the most, is in his understanding of the offense, the details of exactly where the aiming point should be, what the play is meant to do, and what others involved in the play are supposed to do. So that kind of makes sense in terms of a general progression of things. Right, when you when you first get in, your head is swimming. And I think at, at first, especially for a running back, it's probably easier to do. Your job is just to understand your role, right? I mean, if you're an offensive lineman, I don't know if you can really do that because it's kind of a fluid thing. You got to understand the concept of the play. But for a running back, you just kind of understand the general rule, especially in zone. That is, you're going to run laterally. These are your lanes. You wait for your lane to develop. When you see it, you cut back, you put your foot in the ground and you run north and south, right? And that's why I think running backs kind of get a bad rep and, and you feel like you can draft them anywhere because in a sense maybe to varying degrees, but in a sense, there's a lot of guys that can do that. And and it's the same thing that you're teaching in high school, that you're teaching in college, that you're teaching in the pros. Again, not exactly the nuance and not exactly to the same level and not exactly to the same ability, but just in general, it, it would be sort of like the grunt work. And again, if, if you're offensive line, the concept is kind of similar, but who to block and where to block and how to block is kind of dictated to you at times. And you have to be able to adjust to that and figure out what you're doing. But anyways, for a running back, then it's it's kind of also the understanding and, and understand he has blocking assignments, he has receiving assignments, he has to make adjustments, but also understanding the concept of the offense, also understanding the defense. And what the defense is doing is going to help you to understand what the defense is doing to the offensive line and what the, how that whole play is working out to help you to understand where it's where that hole is going to develop. So developing your full understanding of everything is sort of getting to that next level when you understand the full concept of the the play design especially at, at, you know as far as receiving is concerned but also I'm assuming as a running back is just kind of taking it to the next level and I don't think you can really be a premier player maybe you can but I don't know if you can be a true truly premier player until you reach that level of of seeing the full field and not just knowing your job but knowing what the guy next to you's job is I don't think there's a Jair out there that isn't on that level I don't think there's an Aaron Rodgers or a uh, you know, Khalil Mack or an Aaron Donald out there that's well, maybe Aaron Donald, but <laughs> if, if you're going to get to that point, it, you're really to the point where mentally you just see the whole field. So anyways, I don't think we're going to do questions. We got about 50 minutes in, so I'm going to leave it at that. You folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have yourselves a good one. Bye-bye. <laughs>